Well, good afternoon. Uh, it is great to be with the Birmingham Church. Uh, you've met uh, two-sixths of my family thus far. My lovely wife, Mandy, of course, and uh, I'm Forrest. And uh, these are our uh, four lovely daughters as well. Uh, Grace at the top there just turned 13, and uh, Ruby on the right uh, is uh, about to turn 11. Eva in the middle is our youngest. Uh, she's five. And uh, Violet there on the left, mini-me, uh, she is uh, she's eight about to turn nine. So uh, we're, we're, uh, we're so thankful, Mandy and I, to uh, be here with you guys uh, today, uh, to be uh, invited by the church to come uh, all the way from the land down under, a long way away, about 22 hours of flying. I think most of the jet lag is cleared from my head, but we'll find out here after I'm done, I guess, how much is cleared. Um, but yeah, it's great to be with you. We've heard many great things, uh, to be honest, about the Birmingham Church. Uh, of course, you know, Ashley, Ashley has been sitting with us before she left uh, a few years ago, and very close to her family, uh, and heard a lot of great things about the Birmingham Church from, uh, from Ashley and her family, and then uh, we, we heard about the Birmingham Church through the flames after that, and uh, uh, came here uh, just to, uh, you know, really to, just, to, just to feel out, uh, you know, uh, this, this opportunity that the Birmingham Church is, is looking for another couple to come, and uh, we felt moved by God to come and, and, and visit you guys and meet you. And we ask you to pray for uh, you know that whole situation and what, what God's will is. We're definitely here to seek God's will. And and, 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 the, and this morning I'm here to preach preach the word uh, as well. This afternoon, I'm sorry, I'm used to that. This afternoon. This afternoon. That's not the jet lag. That's just I'm used to church at ten. Um, and uh, you know, Mandy shared a lot of great news uh, from our, our our region. You know, the spa region it sounds really nice. The spa region, South Pacific Australia region, and it's been great. Uh, we've been there. Uh, as you can tell, I'm not Australian. You probably figured that out by now. Uh, I grew up in the U.S., and uh, Mandy grew up in Australia, however, and uh, we were serving God in the churches there for over a decade in the U.S., and uh, then got the call to go preach the word in Australia. So three and a half years ago, uh, Mandy and I and our, and our four girls moved to Sydney. And this has been a great, uh, incredible blessing. Uh, God has done some incredible things. I'll share a little bit more uh, about that later. Um, but uh, w- one of the greatest blessings that, that we had, uh, and definitely the greatest blessing so far in Sydney, uh, has been the baptism of our daughter Grace. Uh, they're in the middle of the green. Uh, Grace was baptized uh, just this last December. Uh, and uh, just such an incredible, just a few days before Christmas, such an incredible gift. Uh, to our family, and that's been the greatest fruit that we've borne in Australia, was seeing our daughter uh, come to faith in Christ, our first one. Every night we pray together uh, that they'll become a Christian one day and marry a strong Christian man, and uh, it's just uh, such a moving thing, and I'm getting emotional talking about it. So that that, that was just awesome, but thank you for uh, having us this weekend, and uh, we've been uh, looking through the Gospel of Luke uh, on Sunday, so be turning, please, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. And uh, I asked Andy if I could, uh, you know, preach a sermon that really moved my heart from the Gospel of Luke. And he said, yes, you can. He told me he was doing Ecclesiastes. And I said, okay, I, yeah, I'm definitely not ready to do that. So uh, I'll, listen to the, I'll listen to the recordings on your website, Andy. That sounds awesome. Wow. Um, but yeah, we're going through the Gospel of Luke as a church in Sydney. And this, uh, this section really inspired me. And so I hope it will help you uh, in some way. Luke chapter 5, we're just going to look at ver- uh, 11 verses here uh, this afternoon. So Jesus, uh, you know, is gaining this momentum. Uh, he grew up in, in Galilee, and, uh, and so he's now, you know, starting to uh, begin his ministry there, uh, northern Israel. And, uh, and so things start to pick up, and this is the con of, of his first few disciples, right? In Luke 5, verse 1, let's pick it up there. It says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, or we would also know it as the Sea of Galilee, right? The people were crowding around him, it says, and listening to the word of God. 
He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and talked to people from the boat. Verse 4, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Verse 8, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats on shore, left everything, and followed him. Today I want to talk about uh, this idea of soul savers uh, from the Gospel of Luke. I think uh, Jesus, in the way he acted in this situation, and Luke in the way he records the story, are both intentionally turning a miracle catch, a great day of fishing, uh, into a parable about, about what it would be like for people to follow Jesus. So it's a real life parable, if you will, uh, on disciple making, man fishing, evangelizing, proselytizing, or as I'm calling it here today, soul saving. Uh, this idea that Jesus you know, didn't just come to the earth uh, to save us, but he also came to the earth to, to use us to save others once he saves us. Um, and so uh, I'd just like to share a few thoughts uh, on this idea of soul savers uh, this afternoon. Um, you know, it, it's awesome. Jesus walks onto the scene here uh, in Luke chapter 5. Just an ordinary day at the Sea of Galilee. A few fishermen, you know, emptying their nets after a long night, having not caught anything, the text says, right, uh, with their boats there. And Jesus, uh, you know, he turns, you know, he turns the, the, the beach into a church building, right? He turns the, the boat into a pulpit. He turns the nets into a baptistry. You know, when Jesus shows up, amazing things happen. And that's exactly what we see here, right? And, and, and Christianity uh, is so exciting to me because, you know, the extraordinary is possible. Miraculous things can occur, not because of me, not because of the church, but because of Jesus and who he is. And this is one of those stories uh, that reminds us of, of the power that's possible every day when we just follow Jesus in our lives. Um, you know, it, it, it's really exciting, you know, and, and it was just based on, you know, Simon Peter just following one simple command, right? In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, Jesus says, Put out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And all of a sudden, the, the nets are breaking, the, the, the boats are sinking. Everything has, has changed uh, just by Simon Peter just following that one simple command. Reluctantly, though, he did. Uh, right from Jesus. And Jesus Jesus says, you haven't seen anything yet, right? And then he concludes it in verse 10, you know, by saying, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You're, you're, you're just getting started. You guys have been excited about a catch of fish. Well, you haven't seen anything yet. You're going to catch people for me. And, of course, uh, Simon uh, will go on to see that happen in the book of Acts in incredible ways. Uh, and these other guys, too, uh, that were called by Jesus. Uh, the Great Commission, of course, uh, as a church, 
we, we, uh, we are all, all familiar with it, right? In Matthew 28, verses 18 through 19, Jesus says uh, to the 11 apostles, uh, last thing Matthew records in teaching his disciples in his gospel, he says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations. And it's always, for me, very humbling. I, I didn't grow up in the church uh, in the States at all. Uh, you know, I didn't, didn't really, I, you know, I sort of believed in God. And, uh, and one of the fascinating things to me when I studied the Bible for the first time was this fact that, that, that God would become a man and come to the earth, but then he would just leave and just give us this great commission that he would choose to use me and choose to use others. Uh, like the brother shared during communion, I appreciate that humility. Like, who am I, you know? But, but, but that's God's plan. He, he, he doesn't just save us. He, he then gives us a great purpose of, of, of being the, the tools in his hands, the agents through which he delivers the gospel to the world. That's what brought me here to you today. The fact that Jesus is, is making disciples of all nations, right? In Australia or America or England, wherever, wherever we are. Uh, God has great plans uh, for our lives. And so let's look, if we can here, just at kind of four big ideas to me uh, from this text about how we as a church can, can be those soul savers. That God can use each and every one of us to make a difference in this world. Uh, the first thing I, I see here in the text that's quite clear to me uh, to be those people, those soul savers in this world is that we, we have to be people who are willing to teach. To be a soul saver, to be used by Jesus to make disciples of all nations, you've got to be someone who's willing to teach. I'm not referring, of course, to the profession of teaching, although some of us in the room... Any teachers in the room here? Yeah, there's a few. Hey, man, my, my dad and stepmother are teachers, so I appreciate teachers. Uh, they are awesome. Um, but, of course, I'm referring here in verses 1 through 3, uh, here in the text, to the teaching of the Word of God. The teaching of the Word of God. You know, Jesus has this crowd around him here as he starts to start his ministry. And he, he, he gets in a, in a boat and gets taken a little bit offshore. He gets into Simon's boat and it was probably to, to make a, you know, an amphitheater to naturally amplify his voice uh, there in the water because sound travels quite well on water. And, and the people, it says they, they are crowding around him in verse 1, listening to the word of God. You know, what drew the people in? It wasn't free food or the miracles. It was simply the word of God. I didn't realize that J.R. Tolkien was from... This area. That's, Andy and Tammy have been sharing with me a little bit about that. Uh, I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan myself. And, uh, uh, and, and you know, Lord of the Rings was, was all the rage for a while. And, 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 but what's, what's interesting is it's always, it's always a, a new movie sooner or later, right, that comes on the scene and, and, and captures our attention again. And, of course, uh, this last December, it was Star Wars, right? Uh, I'm sure that was a big deal in England. I know it was a big deal in Australia. And uh, The Force Awakens, you know, box office records. All, I mean, there was so much hype around it. It was just, it was unbelievable. And, and why are we so excited about a make-believe story about a bunch of guys in space and a galaxy far, far away? Well, what gets us so excited about that? Because it's not really that tangible. You know, lightsabers and Wookiees and what's going on? You know, this is not real life. Well, I think these great movies, they speak to our lives. There's something you know, about humanity that understands the struggle of good and evil. And this idea that we want good to triumph, right, in the end. But the thing is that these are just, they're fairy tales. They're, they're not real stories. But Jesus is literally telling people through his words how to live real life stories. How to be those spiritual Han Solos and Princess Leias in this world. And so we too... Today, we should be crowding around the Word of God. 
We should be, you know, excited and eager to get as much of the Word of God into our lives as we possibly can. You know, our greatest hope as a church, our, our, the greatest hope in this world is the Word of God. And I have a deep conviction about that, because as I said, I didn't grow up in church, never really even knew the Bible at all. The first time I opened the Bible was when I was 19 years old. I didn't know anything about it at all. And, uh, you know, when I first uh, opened the Bible, it was because I encountered a similar church to this one in Cincinnati, Ohio. I grew up in, in the Midwest in Ohio. That's not, a, that's not a southern accent. That's a country accent you hear coming from me uh, as far as American accents. And, uh, and I, you know, so I came up to one of our similar sister churches in Cincinnati back in 1995. And, uh, you know, young, arrogant, proud, 19-year-old guy, you know, and... Uh, I came out and I was just like, you know, I'm cooler than these people. I don't, I don't get what they're so excited about. I don't, I don't get all the hype. I was just so arrogant. And uh, I'm not coming back there. I don't know what's going on there. Guys are hugging each other. I don't know what's going on. I'm not returning. But the, the disciple of Jesus, the soul saver who invited me out, a guy named Mark Floyd, he said, well, hey, would you sit down with me and study the Bible? I said, okay, I'll do that. And I thought maybe I'd get him off my back after that. And... Uh, and I remember sitting down and, and, and studying the Word of God. And as, as the Word of God started to hit my heart, it just it spoke to every little hole and every little crack and every little problem that I was feeling that I couldn't figure out in life. And it just, it just, it just woke me up. It woke me up. It transformed my whole view on life. And so, you know, a couple months in, I said, I want to be one of those weird guy-hugging guys, you know, on a Sunday, singing and shouting and being so excited about God. And I was baptized, you know, a few months after that, uh, May 2nd, 1995. And, and, and what, what got me to that point, to change my life radically like that, it wasn't Mark's great arguments and presentation of the Bible. I had a three-hour cross-study. In the middle of it, the two brothers started fighting because the brother was not saying things correctly and they had to go outside and work it out. And we started at midnight and ended at three. I mean, it was like the worst cross-study ever, perhaps, in the history of God's kingdom. But after that terrible study, I was like, I'm ready to get back up. Sign me up. Jesus is Lord. You know, it's just... Because the Word of God is enough. It's not about how smooth we are and you know and awesome we are. It, it is enough. It changed my life and it's still changing my life. This year I'm 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 turning forty next month. And uh, amen, you can pray for me. And uh, I, I I'm not excited about the idea. My oldest daughter Grace just turned thirteen. It's like the perfect recipe for a midlife crisis. And uh, but I'm but I'm not feeling nervous at all to be honest because I have the word of God to get me through the teen years with four daughters. You know, I have the word of God to, to face my forties. You know, and I, I'm not sweating it. You know, I, I love the church because every time, every church I visit throughout God's kingdom, it's always so diverse. I love it. Just look around. It's just it's an amazing thing. Most most cities, the time they're most segregated. Are during religious worship times, but but in God's kingdom, it's the opposite. That's when we see the diversity. Where, where does that come from? Oh, because Andy and Tammy are just so they're just so sensitive to the needs of, of people's cultures and ethnicities. No, it, it's the Word of God. It's the Word of God that brings us together, right? It's it's such a powerful thing, and we cannot forget that as God's people. Psalm one nineteen, verse one hundred five. Your word is a lamp for my feet. The psalmist says, a light. On my path. Again in Psalm 119 verse 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding 
to the simple. I appreciate that last part. I'm simple. I appreciate that, that inside understanding that God's Word gives me. You know, we don't elevate man. We don't elevate methods. We don't elevate opinions. We don't elevate ministries. We elevate the Word of God. The Word of God is so powerful. It transformed them then, and it's still transforming lives today. So I encourage you as a church to keep, to keep loving and cherishing the Word of God. If you are a Christian today, that, 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 that's the reason you're here. It was, it was the gospel, the Word of God that saved you. And if you're visiting with our church uh, today, you l- listen to this American guy. I appreciate you not giving up on me yet with the accent. And, uh, you know, the, this church has something incredible, something incredible to offer you. It's the Word of God. If they ask you to study the Bible, sit down with them and see how it can too change your life. You know, soul savers, they teach the Word of God. The second thing here is they obey. The word, they obey. They simply obey Jesus. You know, verses 4 through 5 here in the text. You know, Peter, Peter obeys Jesus. Jesus says, put that out into the deep water and let down the nets for a catch in verse 4. And Simon obeys, but, you know, rather reluctantly. Master, in verse 5, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I'll let down the nets. I love this because God uses He uses uh, you know Simon's boat and, and Simon's nets. Although Simon's obedience is not great at this point, I think in toddler training we you know we encourage the toddlers to obey with a happy heart, right? That's the kind of obedience we want as parents. And Simon's not doing that here. Okay, but because you said so, I'll let down the nets. You know, it's this reminder that sometimes all it takes is simple, radical obedience with Jesus to transform our lives. Sometimes we make it really complicated. We, we need this and we need that. But really a lot of times when I get to that point in my spiritual life, it just comes back to force. Just obey and trust Jesus. And things oftentimes turn around. You know, Peter's doubt here, his excuse making, reminds me oftentimes of, of my evangelism. When my evangelism is not as effective as it should be, uh, I, you know, I, I can oftentimes point it back to the excuses that I can make to not obey the Great Commission, to not obey Jesus' call uh, for me to be uh, myself a fisher of men. You know, I, I see here in the text uh, the excuse of knowledge. I mean, Peter must have thought. I mean, he must have thought, wait a second. Okay, you're, you were a carpenter and now you're a rabbi. I'm a fisherman. I've been fishing all night. And now you're going to tell me after fishing all night to go back out and fish again. He must have been tempted to think that. The text doesn't say what he was thinking, but I can sense that in his, in his reaction to Jesus. We've worked hard all night and haven't caught a thing. You know, it's Peter's you know, initial response. The excuse of knowledge. Experience can mislead us. Oh, I've tried that. I've tried to reach out to people, you know, in this way. I've, I've tried to share my faith at work in this way. I, I've tried to help my family become Christians in this way. And we can think, based on our experience, we, we had the excuse to not continue to, to reach out to those whom we haven't yet helped become Christians. But Peter obeyed anyway, right, and had this overwhelming catch. There's the excuse of knowledge and experience in our evangelism that often hinders it. I also see the excuse of fatigue here. They fished all night. They fished all night and haven't caught a thing. You know, it's one thing to hear a sermon like this and you go, Yes, that's it. I'm going to go out this week and I'm going to really share my faith like I've never shared my faith before. But, but as time goes on, you can lose that zeal quite quickly and get fatigued uh, when it comes to the mission. You know, but Peter, you know, he, he gives it one more shot. He gives it one more shot. Uh, and, and perhaps, you know, perhaps 
Perhaps that all, that's all it takes sometimes. We just, we just obey again. And how do we know sometimes when we obey again, what's going to happen the next time when we obey again? You know, we're never too tired to obey Jesus' call in our lives. And what other option do we have? You know, our job is just to plant seeds and water them. God, God will make them grow. Uh, and I love the story of Bruce and Norma, you know, the two of the, the people sh- Mandy shared about, you know, 20, 30 years of perseverance. And then an 86-year-old and a 93-year-old get baptized. You know, just, just, just let out your nets one more time. But it's so easy to make our excuses and justify ourselves and, and pull back when Jesus is calling us to, to move forward when it comes to sharing our faith. You know, Peter's not a great disciple here, but nonetheless, Jesus delivers. You know, we, 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 need, we need God's grace in our evangelism, too. I appreciate the brother sharing. We need, we, you know, we need it with our thinking. Our, our thinking needs to be washed by grace. Our, but, but so do our actions. So do our, our ups and downs and our struggles uh, to really obey Jesus. And it saddens me, I think, to, to see Christians, you know, coming into Sydney. Sydney Church has been through a lot. Uh, they lost all their staff. Uh, their, their, their staff eventually kind of started another church back in, in, in some tumultuous times. And they've been through a lot, decimated. Uh, and, and, and so many Christians, when I moved to Sydney, they, they, they've lost the hope and they've lost the belief that God can use them. They say, yeah, yeah, God can use this person, God can use that person. But, but God can't use me, he hasn't used me in a long time. But, but it, just, it just takes a decision sometimes when we feel that way to, to obey anyway. To believe that you know, God, God, God is he's, he's never, he's never hindered or limited by, by my, my sin and, and, and my lack of obedience. And, that, and, that's, and that's why we need His grace. His grace can change any situation and turn it around. And Peter, he got some grace here before he got this miraculous catch uh, from Jesus. And perhaps the catch is right there. Perhaps it's right there. One decision can change everything sometimes in our lives. And I, and I love the simplicity. I love the simplicity, you know, uh, you know, of what Peter says specifically. Because you say so, I will let down the nets one more time for a catch. That, that, that kind of thinking can change our discipleship. That kind of thinking can change our Bible talks. That kind of changing thinking can change our church. It can change our cities. To have a church full of people who say, because you say so, Jesus, I will do it. Soul savers, they obey. Two more things here. Uh, the third thing here is soul savers, they're humble. They're humble. You know, Peter, despite his attitude, his lack of faith, and his pride, uh, he was blessed with the best catch ever. You know, fishermen like to talk about the, you know, the, the fish that they catch, right? And I bet Peter always talked about that story, right? I, I, I bet he would get everyone around the campfire and, Let me tell you about the day Jesus broke our nets and sunk our boats. He brought in so many fish. Yeah, it was a great fishing story, I'm sure he told to the day he died. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, you know, who, who are we? Who are we to be used by God? What, what an honor. What a privilege it is to be a part of the Great Commission as God's church. Because, yeah, who are we, really? We're just broken vessels. We're, 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 we're just broken vessels. You know, we're just, we're just beggars who found some food, you know, and we're just thankful that we have it. You know, and that's Peter's response. You know, Jesus bring, tells him to drop his nets. He does it. And they bring in this huge catch. And how does Peter respond in verse 8? He falls on his knees. says, go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. He has a very humble response. Peter doesn't say, hey, look, look what I did. That was my boat. Those were my nets. 
You know, we might say, you know, you know, look how God used me. You know, you know, my, my fruit. You know, but Peter doesn't have any of that in him. And this incredible catch. He's quite the opposite. He's humbled by the way uh, God would work through him despite who he was. I believe that's, that's why he responds the way he does. He was humbled because he knew he was just like, okay, I'll drop it, Jesus, but nothing's going to happen. And then boom. You know, and, and since we moved to Sydney, uh, God's done some incredible things. I mean, he shared a lot of the good news. Uh, uh, when we moved to Sydney, the church was about 160. Now it's over 260. Um, and, uh, you know, it, we, we've seen over 80 people baptized. It's just been so encouraging. In, 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 a, in a culture, in a country where, where people are not religious, they don't really believe in Jesus, we've seen Jesus just breaking down all kinds of walls, all kinds of barriers. Um, and uh, it's been so encouraging. The teens have grown, the uni ministry has grown, the singles ministry has grown, and so have the marriages. It's been so encouraging uh, across the board. But, but, but how has that happened? It's by the grace of God. It's, and, and, and how should we respond when God is doing great things in our lives? We should respond with, with utmost humility. Despite me, God is working. Despite us, God is moving. You know, that, that is the response that we needed to have. And in Sydney, uh, I've noticed lately, you know, uh, churches, you know, we're, we're growing. Things are going great. But I, I've noticed this, this you know, we start worship service at 10 a.m. And, uh, you know, 10.05, you know, 10.10, 10.15, people are still kind of strolling in, you know, with their takeaway coffees. And, you know, we start the first worship song and everyone's just kind of hanging out, talking. You know, yeah, the song, we just try to get it going. But it's, it's not really happening. And, and, and I really started to realize we're, we're not really that worshipful. And it concerned me because I thought, well, here we are, just so blessed by God. He's doing things we never would have imagined he, he would do, but, but we're not ready to worship God? Sunday morning, when, you know, when church starts? And, and I started to fear our pride and our arrogance in that. And so we've really been trying to change that in, you know, in, in the Sydney church. And an arrogant, proud witness contradicts the message of grace. When we, when we have an arrogant and proud posture toward God, we don't, we don't get how gracious He has been to us. Soul savers are humbled by God using them. I mean, how humbling is it when, when God uses us to help people come to know Jesus? It's such a humbling and amazing thing. And I want to always have that heart when it comes to you know, sharing my faith with other people uh, as God works. And so, soul savers are humble. Uh, and finally here uh, this morning, that was the text we just looked at, sorry. Soul savers, they sacrifice. You guys still with me here? All right, amen. The jet lag is staying off, so I'm, I'm here with you too, I think, still as well. Um, soul savers, lastly here, they sacrifice. Verse 10. Jesus says to Simon in the second sentence there, Don't be afraid after this great catch. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And, of course, this is Simon and, and his brother Andrew and James and John. We know that from the parallel text uh, in Mark chapter 1. You know, we don't read this passage and go, Oh, man, that must have been so tough for Simon and Andrew and James and John. I mean, they, they left their boats in their nets. Man, I wonder what that felt like. That must have been difficult. No, we're inspired by them. We're excited for them because they've left something lesser for something greater. And we know the rest of the story. These guys go on to the book of Acts. And this, this acted out parable, it comes, it comes to fruition. Peter gets up in Acts chapter 2, and he preaches the first gospel sermon after Jesus is resurrected, and 3,000 are baptized that day. He 
he sees this, this, this miraculous catch come to fruition quite early on, uh, you know, in, in, in the book of Acts. You know, I imagine these guys as fishermen, they probably had some good days at work. You know, out there in the sun, there on the Sea of Galilee, just sitting at the dock of the bay, you know, wasting time. (laughs) That's a great song. I imagine it was a decent job sometimes, you know. And they probably had hundreds of days where where maybe, you know, in their whole lifetime as fishermen, life was maybe pretty good, you know, and and probably some days where it wasn't so good. And uh, they probably, you know... They probably had some good earnings, some good catches, you know, some, some good economic uh, benefits, you know, from that. But, 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 but take a hundred good days at work compared to just one day following Jesus and fishing for him. There's no comparison. And I love the text because it says, it says that they actually, they actually left everything. It doesn't say they went into the market and cashed in the value for the fish. They left the fish on the beach too, I'm assuming. That's a lot of money back then. But, you know, that, that's worth whatever that's worth in pounds, right? But compare that to the eternal riches that they get just from knowing Jesus. There's, there's no comparison, right? There, there's, there's no comparison. You know, they just, they, they, they got, I think they got what Jesus was saying here in verse 10. Yeah, we're going to have to give up some things. We're going to have to sacrifice some things to follow this guy and be used by him. But man, we're going to get a whole lot more in the end. You know, I, I love this picture. You know, they just left. Yeah, that's exactly what they did, right? In Mark's gospel, it says at once. They didn't even, they didn't even think about it. At once. In Mark 1, you know, verse 18. At once they left their nets and Followed him. Sorry, you can't see it very well there. I apologize for that. Still working on my slides, visually being a little better. Um, at once, at once, they left their nets and followed him. Reminds me of the joy, the excitement, the zest that our evangelism can bring to our lives and to those who are not yet saved. Yeah, it's a sacrifice to be a soul saver. Yeah, you're going to have to stay up later than you want to stay up sometimes. You're going to have to get up earlier than you want to get up sometimes. You're going to have to uh, put your reputation on the line at your workplace. You're going to have to be bold at your university. Uh, You're going to have to sacrifice some things. But again, what we're giving up is so much lesser than what we gain in the end. Personally, as Jesus speaks to us, every time I sit down and study the Bible with somebody, I'm reminded of my call. I'm reminded of my repentance. I'm reminded of my heart and how it is toward the cross. Because I can't call someone to something I'm not doing. Right? That would be hypocritical. But then it's really not about me, is it? It's really about that person getting an opportunity uh, to, to hear the gospel of grace. And it's so, it's so strange to me that we can take something so beautiful, so wonderful, so amazing, that we, yeah, we're willing to sacrifice whatever for it, you know, and turn it into some burden and some duty. Oh, no! Not evangelism! You know, oh! Yeah, we gotta we gotta make disciples and you know be a fisherman and oh oh, oh Lord I don't know if I can handle it you know and, and and I think when we get to this point we're not really walking with Jesus anymore because why did he come I mean he left heaven heaven to become not not a man he became a baby he was in utero at one point I mean that's how much of a baby he became I mean that's insane. Jesus, he, he, he left all that. It wasn't for a holiday on the earth. You know, he came to seek and save what was lost. That's why he came. 
And so for me to say, yeah, I, I love Jesus so much. He's my Lord. He's my Savior. But I'm burdened by the mission. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not as close to Jesus as I think I am. But that's what Satan does. He takes these wonderful things and he twists them all around. He takes something really good and tries to make it out like it's a burden. Like the Great Commission is a burden. No, it's an absolute blessing to be used to fulfill the Great Commission. Yes, we're going to have to leave, leave our boats and our nets. We're going to have to obey Jesus again and again and again to be soul savers. But again, we're sacrificing something lesser to get something far greater for us and those we are reaching out to. You know, Christianity without the mission is a contradiction. I, I truly believe that the older I get uh, in Christ. It's why he came and he is who we follow. And if we don't get this... If we don't get this as Christians, then when we when we are trying to call our friends and our neighbors and our co-workers uh, you know, to follow Jesus too, we, we then get hesitant to call them to sacrifice, ironically. And so, you know, we, we sit down with someone and we say, yeah, well, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to deal with that immoral relationship. And we hesitate to, to bring that up. If you're going to follow Jesus, you're going you're gonna to have to give some of your money and some of your time. Is, is, is that okay? Absolutely, that, that, that's okay. That's what we should be calling them to. We're calling them to the greatest thing possible in this life, to, to know Jesus and make Him known. Don't hang on to your nets, in other words. Don't be sitting in your boats, struggling with temptation, finances, people. Uh, if, if, if we get to that point, we've, we've, we've lost connection with Jesus Himself. Soul savers gladly and willingly sacrifice things because they know Jesus has something better in store. They know Jesus has something better in store. You know, to close here, uh, I want to encourage us to, to, to focus on the catch in this passage here. When they had done so, it says in chapter 5, verse 6, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. I want you to really focus on the catch because the process, it's messy. The process, it, it, it's, it's challenging. Uh, to really fulfill the Great Commission. It's a messy and challenging thing, but, but, the, but the end result is such a glorious, it's such a glorious thing. Uh, and this text uh, is interesting because the, the Greek phrase here uh, for large number uh, is literally multitude uh, in the Greek. And it's used over a dozen times in the book of Acts to describe the way the church is just building this momentum over and over and over. Uh, and so uh, it, it's such an encouraging, such an encouraging, inspiring idea that, that Jesus connects the catch of that day to the evangelism that is to come in his name. And so this parable, uh, I hope uh, today, sorry, um, you know, can, can really encourage you. I don't know, I don't, I don't know how the, you know, how the, your, your personal uh, evangelism is today. If you're a Christian, I have no idea. You know, Andy didn't say, because you talk about evangelism when you come to Birmingham. That didn't happen. Um, but, but I just know for me, you know, uh, you know, when I became a Christian, you know, I, I decided, you know, Jesus is going to be my Lord. And, and that means, as it was shared in the welcome, that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that his plans and his purposes are, are, are the greatest possible life there is, you know, in, in my lifetime to live. And, and so, you know, I, I don't know how you're doing as a Christian. If you're a Christian today, you know, are, are you still inspired? Are you still inspired to, to obey Jesus? You know, are you still inspired to share His Word? Are you still humbled and blown away when He uses you in that process? And are you still sacrificing? Are you still, still dropping your nets and, and leaving your boat? 
uh, to, to follow this guy, Jesus. He, he, he changed your life then and he, he wants to continue to change your life as he uses you to change other people's lives. I, I love that. That's why I went to the ministry. I graduated from uni and I thought, I could do this all the time? Like you're saying you'll, you'll, you'll support me financially if I'll just be a disciple all the time. Sign me up. You know, I had no idea what I was getting into. No idea how challenging that would be. But I thought, what, what else would I want to do with the rest of my life? Here I am. Send me, you know. And, uh, and, and, and ever since, that's what I've been doing. And I'm so thankful that I get to be a part of that. And the thing is, it's not, it's not for anybody. It's not just for some people. It's for everyone. I believe God wants to use all of us. He wants to use all of us to make disciples. And if you're visiting with us today, have you become a disciple of Jesus? Do you really know Jesus and His Word? And, and you've run into a church that, that really knows Jesus and really knows His Word. And I hope that, that you, you can sit down with them and let them also share with you uh, what it really means to follow Jesus. Um, and, and so let us learn from this story how to better become teaching, obedient, humble, and sacrificial soul savers. Thank you so much uh, for having my wife and I. It's been great to, to meet many of you in fellowship already. If I haven't met you yet, I hope I can see you and meet you uh, before we head out Tuesday morning. Uh, but yeah, please pray for the church in Sydney. Uh, please pray, uh, you know, uh, for our decision whether we should stay there or come here, or what, you know, whatever God's will is. Uh, but I'm so thankful uh, to be here, and uh, thank you for your time. Amen.